Welcome to Bitch Talk, booze and interviews straight from the heart of San Francisco. This is Aaron. That's Ange. Hi. That's Char. Hello. You can find us at bitchtalkpodcast.com, and you can sign up for our monthly e-news. For behind-the-scenes videos and two-minute clips of our interviews, head to our YouTube channel and subscribe. You can also find us every Monday morning from 6 to 6.30 at bff.fm. If you like what you hear, rate and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. We have Dale Ho on the show yet again. We're so lucky to have him. We haven't seen him since uh, Sundance, uh, whenever that was, earlier this year. And um, it seems like a lifetime ago. He's in the upcoming film called The Fight, which releases at the end of July. And um, he's also the uh, director of voting rights project at the ACLU. And we had such a great time interviewing him back in January. Um, We thought we'd try and have him on again since, uh, you know, voting suppression, voting rights uh, is a big thing right now. How are you? Thanks for having me back on. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I think when we, we left you in Sundance, uh, minus all the tears, because we just love you so much. <laughs> I know. Um, I was going to ask if he remembers how embarrassing we were. We were, like, yeah, we were so fangirly. It was bad. <laughs> you were not at all embarrassing. I was really, I was I really, really enjoyed coming on. Okay. <laughs> okay, good. So yeah, not completely embarrassed. Um, but you know, I think when we left that conversation, we just kind of left it off as, you know, it's a big year, obviously, for elections. And we had really no idea. Well, we had a little bit of an idea of, about the coronavirus. Um, but man, has that changed everything? Had no idea, obviously. It seems like a lifetime ago. Um, yeah. So how has that changed uh, the way that you are doing your job in this moment? I mean, just like everyone else, my, you know, personal life and my job have been completely upended. Um, You know, uh, we we thought this was all, I mean, you know, we thought this was going to be a difficult election year and that we were going to have our work cut out for us, you know, no matter what. And the pandemic has disrupted elections just like every other institution in this country. Um, I think maybe this is going to be the hardest election this country has seen in terms of making sure that people can vote since, you know, the 1864 presidential election was conducted during the Civil War. I mean, it's that much of a disruption. Um, You've already seen it in the primaries with polling places, being shut down, you know, massive poll worker shortages, because of course people don't want to put themselves at risk right now. I mean, half of poll workers in 2016 were over the age of 60. Um, And we've just seen these massive lines in places like Atlanta, Milwaukee, Las Vegas. Um, it's, it's, It's a real, real challenge. So we've had to completely shift our focus away from what we thought we were going to be doing this year to now just trying to make sure that everyone can vote safely. Mm-hmm. Well, you guys have had some some big wins recently. Can you talk about uh, some recent big wins that you've had and what you what states you're really focusing on right now? Yeah, I mean, we've filed 11 cases in the last three months, which I mean, that's that's a level of activity that, um, <laughs> you know, even in an election year, we're not. Um, used to. Around this time, mm-hmm. in a normal election year, maybe we would file like two to four new cases, <laughs> but we've Jesus. filed 11 and we have five more that we're planning on filing 
um, by the middle of July. Um, so it's just a, it's just it's just been kind of crazy. We're first trying to make sure that states that don't let everyone vote by mail do while the pandemic's going on, right? So that if people either can't or don't want to go to the polls in person, um, they don't have to. And then we're trying to make that process easier for folks. Um, there are a bunch of states that require people to do kind of weird things like get another person to sign your ballot envelope, which is just yeah. kind of bizarre, right? Um, it's supposed to prevent fraud, but it, you know, there's no reason why um, that, that helps in any way. And all it does is force people right now with the pandemic going on to just break the same social distancing protocols that we're all being asked to follow to keep ourselves and our families and our communities safe. Um, so like I said, we filed a bunch of these cases. We got a great ruling in Tennessee from a court there um, requiring that the state allow everyone to vote by mail. Tennessee was one of the last holdout states that was was not doing that. Yeah. Um, and that case is on appeal right now in the Tennessee Supreme Court. And then we have a bunch of cases on that witness signature issue that I mentioned, places like Virginia, South Carolina, Missouri, and Minnesota. Yeah. Yeah, I was, I wanted to ask you, um, and, and maybe we talked about this too at Sundance, I don't remember, but, um, you know, uh, Trump, Trump, I hate to say his name, but Trump, uh, you know, we, we see him every day, he tweets every day, um, I feel like he's the bright, shiny object to keep our focus off of what's really important. Mm. Um, I know, I'm sorry. It's, <laughs> it's, it's painful for me to say all this, but it's true, right? So, yeah. um do you have to put him and, and whatever he stands for on your back burner in order to move your work ahead? I mean, how do you filter or do you filter? We, we kind of can't just like everyone else. I mean, you know, you, you want to, you want to try to ignore him. Right. But like, you can't look away, you know, he's mm. just, and, and he's doing everything he can right now to delegitimize the electoral process. Mm -hmm. Um, Cat and cat and raise, you know, un, you know, you know, throwing out unfounded, you know, basically just lies about there being, you know, some kind of problem of fraud with voting by mail. You know, I think he's really trying to set up a situation where people don't trust the results when they come in. You know, I think for obvious reasons because he doesn't expect to win right now. Right, but although he that's a he, real problem for us because you know, we can do everything we can to try to make the rules of the election fair and to try to make sure that as many people who want to vote can vote safely. But I can't file a lawsuit to, you know, stop the president from undermining confidence in the electoral process, right? That's like a, a media and communications issue. And it's, it's, it's a real, real challenge. Well, I was going to say he also voted by mail, didn't he? Oh yeah. yeah, I mean, so he voted by I, I mail. Just, Pence mm -hmm. voted by mail. They all voted by mail, right? <sighs> yeah. Um, mm -hmm. It's just so. I mean, basically, I have just, to laugh. You know, right? No, I mean, it's a, you know, I mean, it's okay for him, but it's not for the rest of us. Right, like a lot of things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Go ahead, Ange. No, as as it just that's just such a rare. That's what makes this moment so rare is that you're working to fight these rules, these laws, which need to, to be done. But when our leader says that 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 system is is not legitimate then it's then it's up to the media and the news sources to really counter that and and kind of work hand in hand with the work that you're doing so is this a conversation that's being had with different 
outlets and, and media sources of like th this importance? Because it sounds like whatever they do, he's still louder. His voice is still louder at the end. Yeah, no, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, I do see the media trying to push back a little bit more, right? Like you saw Twitter, right? Like put the, slap those labels. I think the mm -hmm. first one that they did was when he lied about voting by mail, right? When he was saying that like, oh, it's fraudulent and whatnot. I think that was the first thing that Twitter slapped the label on as, you know, being um, um, false, right? Um, so you are seeing like media companies and like traditional media also push back. I feel like traditional media is pushing back a lot more and like calling out the lies and not just sort of reporting, you know, the president said X today. Um, but it's a, it's a real, real, real challenge. And it's compounded by how difficult this election is going to be to administer. You know, I, I think more people are going to vote by mail than in any election in history. And ballots that are cast by mail take longer to count. Um, you have to take them out of the envelope. You got to flatten them. You know, I mean, it just these really kind of silly things that you don't really think about um, just make the whole process take longer. And some states don't let uh, elections officials start processing the ballots until election day or even, even after polls have closed on election night. So what that means is you get a huge backlog of mail-in votes that are building up and you can't count them, you know, until after the election is over. What that might mean is that in some states, we may not be able to forecast the winner on election night. And we've gotten so used to like immediate gratification on election day, um, you know, like the polls close and you immediately get like the flashy, like breaking news banners on CNN with the sound effects um, telling you who won. And we may not have that this year. And you can imagine a kind of, scary situation where, you know, the polls close, um, one candidate is up, and then the ballots start coming in. And, you know, I mean, let's just name names, right? Imagine if like Trump is winning in Pennsylvania or Michigan or something like that on election night. The ballots that have come in through the mail don't get counted until days later. And after those ballots are counted, the lead flips. And now Biden is winning those states. And Trump has laid the groundwork for delegitimizing those results by saying, mail-in ballots are fraudulent. It's really a recipe for um, chaos and a lot of uh, confusion about, you know, who really won the election in, in a way that he could try to exploit and destabilize the entire political system. Yeah, it feels like, was that 2000? That was 20 years ago, right? Yeah. Pregnant Chad. I mean, that was a nightmare. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and that feels like it's going to repeat for sure. And then on top of the coronavirus and a pandemic, um, we have a huge uprising in this nation um, that does come back to voter suppression. So, um, yeah, this is layered. And is there anything um, on that that you would want to speak about in this moment? I mean, I just think it's, you know, I, I obviously, I, you know, I, I care about the electoral system and the and the political process. I work in voting rights, but and and I do think that voting rights are critical to everything else. Like it's awfully hard to fix problems of police violence and address racial justice issues without fixing our voting system. But I'll be the first person to say that voting isn't everything, right? And there are so many ways to be civically engaged and you know effectuate change. And, you know, and, and the direct action that we've been seeing over the last few weeks, you know, that's not voting, 
right? But it's it's bringing about, I think, real change by changing the conversation in this country. And you know, as awful as awful as the last three and a half years have been, and the last four months have been in so many ways, I I'll just say personally, I, I haven't been more hopeful than I, I I've been you know over the last four weeks I think since the um, demonstrations really 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 um, um, took fire across the country I, I, it's given me a lot of hope for you know what's possible right now um, in in a way that I I just I I, I don't know if I've felt over the last three and a half years. I was going to say, how is that conversation with your co colleagues at the ACLU? I mean, seeing this change happen literally on the streets, it's, it's something that I don't think I've ever thought I would see in my life. So yeah. what's that conversation like? <laughs> like, go it's, ahead, kids, you guys go ahead and do it. I mean, it's really amazing because, you know, like, you know, we at the ACLU, right, we're mostly active in courtrooms. Like we do some other kinds of advocacy as well, but we're most known for our lawsuits and um, our work to affect change through the courts. But I think we'll be the first people to say that that's not maybe the principal means or the most, you know, in, the, in a long-term sense, um, effective way of bringing about long sustaining change for progress and social justice and racial justice specifically in this country. You know, especially over the last three and a half years, we've been mostly just fighting defensively in court, right? Just trying to stop these horrible, horrible things that the administration has been trying to do. And, you know, I found a lot of meaning in that personally, um, but it's, it's, it's not moving the ball forward, right? It's, it's playing defense to try to stop horrible things from happening. And what I'm seeing out, you know, the response to the demonstrations right now and, 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 and the conversation that we're having around policing and you know, just you know, you know how how much money we're going to be spending on policing, whether or not we need to reevaluate the idea of modern policing entirely, right? Um, yeah. um, take departments apart and maybe rebuild them, you know, from the ground up. I mean, it's it's really amazing, and that's not it's not lawsuits that bring about that kind of work and conversation. It's it's people. Mm -hmm. It is interesting too the the dichotomy between uh, the origin of police and the origin of voting rights. It's all based on uh, systemic racism. You know, you had to be a land owning white male to vote when this country first started. So they do coincide. They do parallel, much like everything in this country. The basis of everything that's going on in this country. I mean, when I saw LeBron James tweet because he started when he started this new voting rights initiative with some other NBA players, and when I saw him tweet something to the effect of, you know, maybe the problem with our voting system is that it's systemically ra racist, right? I was mm -hmm. like, wow, the conversation's changing dramatically mm -hmm. right now. And mm -hmm. again, I don't think it's because of the work that I do or people like me do. I think it's because of the activism that we're seeing in the streets and, um, you know, just the just just the shift in perspective that that's causing. It's and it's really exciting. Yeah, and his platform is you know you can talk, you can scream from the rooftops, but you're going to oh, reach yeah. a certain group of people that he wouldn't that he, and he's going to reach a different group, and that and that's where it really is effective. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's really amazing.
Dale, in this moment, I mean, you're still in New York, right? I, I assume you're in New York. Oh, I have been. I'm actually, my, okay. we just, just two days ago, my, I, my family and I just went to, you know, out. We, we actually drove all day to North Carolina. We're in the mountains out here oh, good. Just to try to get away mm. a little bit. I was, but I've been I was, in Brooklyn up until then, yeah. Okay. No, I was going to say, A, when do you get a break? And <laughs> B, I know you have small children. I mean, how have you, do they ask you questions about this moment? And, and how do you talk with them about it? Yeah. I mean, they, so just like every other parent, like it's been a hard time for, you know, my wife and I. Um, um, just trying to keep everything on track and like dealing with like virtual schooling and stuff like that. It's like, you know, how is school today when like, you know, they finally closed the laptop, right? It's mm. pretty, it's so bizarre. <laughs> you know, my daughter graduated from elementary school this year and she didn't, she she never really had a chance to say goodbye to all her friends, right? They're all Aww. moving on to middle school. They're dispersing and, um, you know, they see each other on Zoom, but it's obviously totally different. Um yeah. They're really aware of what's going on right now. Um, um, and I think it's, 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 it's hard in a lot of ways to be a kid right now, but in some ways I feel like kids have so much more clarity of vision about what's happening right now. Like they're like, my daughter is so excited about the movement for black lives. One of mm. her like class projects was this mural that she um, painted, which I wish I could show you here, um, um, about the demonstrations that are happening. But, um, you know, just like everyone else, we're just trying to muddle through, trying to get some work done while not being totally horrible parents. <laughs> <laughs> You're also human, so. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> Well, the beauty is you get to spend more time with your family, right? Because you have no other choice. And that was a big conversation we had the last time we talked to you. It's like, you know, I have to be, I have to be doing this work right now. I'm a civil rights lawyer, but it, it, it to the effect of I can't spend time with my family because of this work. But now, <laughs> you know, now you, be careful what you wish for, Dale. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Little did oh you know God. you're yeah, that's right. setting because it up. All, so many scenes in the film are like me kind of like wrestling with, oh my God, I have to spend so much time on the road. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> litigating these cases everywhere. And now yeah. it's like, you know, I've been in, I've like participated in or, or, you know, supervised hearings that are being held in states around the country, all from like my laptop at home, you know, like beaming into like places like South Carolina and Virginia and Tennessee. Um, and then it's like, you know, close the laptop and I'm like still here with my family, <laughs> like trying to keep them quiet while, you know, we're, we're like someone's talking to a judge. It's, um, it's like 180 degrees from that. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, there are good sides and bad sides. Like, <laughs> yeah. Well, I think I think we need to wrap up pretty quickly. Um, but I just wanted to say thank you so much for being on Bitch Talk again. And um, your interview was one of our most memorable. And um, we're just so excited to see like an Asian American male like fighting the good fight up front. And um, this film, I'm so happy it's coming out in this time because we've been talking about that. We're like, when is the fight going to come out? When is the fight going to come out? And we got mm -hmm. the email. And so this timing is great. So, um, you know, whenever you want to come on again and talk about voter suppression, that fun topic, please, yeah. <laughs> you know, feel free. And, um, you know, now we have your email. So you're in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> 
I loved coming on back in January and really anytime, you know, if you want to talk again, like right before the election, just to talk about like what's happening, what we're seeing, um, I'd, I'd be delighted to. I, I would love that. Cool. And we'll put it on yes. our calendar now. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Dale, thank you thank so, you so much, much. Dale. And uh, take care of yourself. Thank you. I really appreciate it. It's really great to see you. You too. If you like what you hear, rate and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. For more information about us, you can head to bitchtalkpodcast.com. This podcast is created, hosted, and executive produced by Aaron Lynn. My co-host is Angela Tabora, a.k.a. Captain Party. The show's edited by producer Shar. We're powered by GoTo Productions. <laughs>